Yesterday, uh, I, we had a group of us that went to the uh, Sherpa Petroleum Festival, um, a group of students and our missionaries. Uh, so we go to the Sherpa Petroleum Festival in Morgan City, came back, uh, and then I, was, I actually ended up going to a birthday party for a friend of mine. Um, so two of us, uh, a friend of mine came meet me here, and then we rode together and went to New Orleans for a, a little birthday get-together for a buddy of mine. Um, I, it, it was interesting because yesterday when, I was, when we were trying to organize like leaving and all that kind of stuff, we were exchanging text messages, and my friend sends me, and she's like, yeah, we, uh, I, I, if, I can pick you up. That wouldn't be a problem. And I was like, well, look, no, 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 let me drive. It'll be no big deal. We'll leave at this time. Come meet, park here, all this stuff. So we like organize the details, and we take off. That might seem like, in, like kind of an inconspicuous, normal, everyday, mundane kind of experience. Normal thing, right? Organize a ride, go to a friend's birthday party. Um, actually, what was happening is that one of my biggest vices was coming out. <laughs> um, I, just a little confession to everybody. Uh, I am an absolute control freak. Um, and the way that it plays out more than any other is driving. Um, whenever I ride with somebody, if somebody's like, yeah, look, I, look no problem, like jump on in the car, I'll, I'll drive to wherever. Um, usually my hand has like this nice hard grip on this, uh, um, this, this little oh you know bar. Um, and I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm like, yeah. And in the back of my mind, the whole ride, wherever we're going, I am low-key judging the person driving, right? Break, uh, break, 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 break! Like that's what's going on in the back of my mind when there's plenty of room, no problem whatsoever. Um, why are we not turning right here? We should turn right here. If we turn right here, then we can pass the light. We don't have to worry about getting caught in nickel's traffic, right? Just cut through the neighborhood. But, if, but, no, but no, no, no. Okay, oh, yeah, we're going to wait. That's good. This is good. It's all going in the back of my mind. I never say any of this. And I'm usually like, uh-huh, yeah, oh, your cat died? That's so sad. Anyway, like, and I am losing it in the back of my mind, right, the whole time. This is just me, right? Um, I have this massive, massive, massive vice of a, being a control freak. And when it comes to driving... I am always the first to volunteer. Because whenever you volunteer, what happens? You pick the route. You pick what time we leave. You pick what time we come back. You pick what, you, you pick what, what to do whenever the person in front of you slams the brakes. We, we know when to catch a light, when to not catch a light, when I can just kind of speed through it, when I need to take it back, what speed we go, what, what directions. Like, all this kind of stuff goes on in my mind, and the passenger seat is like the scariest place in the world for me. So... Just an FYI, if you ever want to go somewhere, I'm going to volunteer to drive. And if you want to try and stretch me, then force me to get in the passenger seat. But it's like the electric chair. Anyway, so <laughs> the reason why I bring that up, I have a feeling um, that a lot of us are recovering control freaks to some element in some way, shape, or form. It might not be driving. It might be another thing, right? And I, get, I see some side eye getting thrown, like from couples and families, and all day it's been the funniest thing because there's been somebody that's been like, "Hey, it's her, her, it's her," right? Like, anyway, this is how this is this is one of the things that I think is just part of human nature because we like to feel like we're in control. We like to be able to dictate some of the some of the standards, some of the some of the details, right? We like to not be out of control. We like to be in control in some way, shape, or form. Now, it's, good, it's a good thing to be in control in worldly things, right? Worldly affairs. But what happens is, is that oftentimes bleeds over into our relationship with God. And when it does, no bueno. It doesn't work. Jesus today, in our gospel, 
he gives the he gives the formula of what it is to be his disciple. He gives three steps. We 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 good with the follow me part. Like yeah, Lord, I'm a I'm a follow you. Okay, that makes sense. We're good with the second step of the whole like yeah, take up your cross. Like yeah, we all have crosses and we need to take those up. The one that I find that I struggle with, and I think a lot of us struggle with. Hopefully, I'm not just kind of like throwing it on you. And if I am, sorry for projection. But I think the one that a lot of us struggle with is the deny yourself. Because for me to, to, to deny myself, that butts up right against my desire to control. And I don't like that. The Lord wasn't saying, think about denying yourself. He, he wasn't saying, like, give me like 85% of the control. You still have your hands on the wheel. He was saying, deny yourself. Let go. Let me have control. In our readings today, our first reading in our gospel, right, thematically, the way the, the lectionary is structured, oftentimes the first reading, most of the time, the first reading and the gospel will have a similar theme going on. And today, I think, it seems like, and, and as I've been praying, we see this two figures that are, that are grasping for control. You see, Jeremiah in the first reading, uh, Jeremiah is one of the prophets of the Old Testament. He's one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He was, he was commissioned by God to go and preach to the Israelite people, to go and preach to God's chosen people who were starting to fall away and were starting to cut corners and weren't listening to what it was, the, the law that the Lord had given them for their worship and the way that they are supposed to live. And Jeremiah, when he was first called, one of the interesting things about Jeremiah is that he did not want, he was reluctant, he did not want to be a, a prophet. God says, I'm going to call you Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's first words to him is, do not call me, I'm too young. They won't listen. I'm too young for this. They won't listen to me. And God just doubles down. He says, no, 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 do not say you're too young. I will give you the words when it's time. I will give you the message that I want you to speak, and I will tell you the people I want you to speak to. I will take control of the situation. Do not worry, I have it. I got it. I just need you to listen and to follow what I ask. You almost hear, you, like through the, book, through the prophet Jeremiah and through his story with God, you almost hear the excitement that comes up. He says, yes, and he goes and he says, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you control. I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to let you minister and preach to your people through me. Absolutely. And then the message gets hard. Because he wasn't going and, 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 and say all kind of exciting things. He was going to God's chosen people and saying, you need to repent. You need to do better. Otherwise, this nation will fall. That didn't make Jeremiah very popular. Jeremiah was not, the, not, not really a, a very popular. People didn't really like what Jeremiah had to say. It's what God was asking him to say. But there was no prestige. In fact, there was a lot of persecution. And today what we hear is Jeremiah venting to God, you have duped me, Lord, and I allowed myself to be duped. You lied to me. And God's going to say, no, I didn't. I asked you to deny yourself. And you did. And you followed me. And you listened. And you did everything I asked you to do. You gave up control. 
And then when it got hard, you started reaching for it back. It doesn't work that way. I know for me, when, when I was a seminarian, I would, like, and I was in Chad's situation, right? I would, I would sit back and I would dream of when I would be in my parish and when I'd get together to give my first homily and how like doves and stuff were going to fly out and people were going to be so excited and it was going to be amazing. And like Peter, for his first homily, converted 5,000 people and it's like, child's play. I got that, dude. And I'm going to go and I'm going to preach and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to be a priest and it's going to be awesome and nobody's ever going to sin again and everything's going to be perfect. Don't worry, you bunch of sinners. That didn't work, right? Like whatever, like it... Like, I was like, this is what's going to happen, and it doesn't. Because it's not about me. It's not for me to choose. It's the Lord's in control. Just like Jeremiah. The Lord's in control. And even when I try and reach back for it, and take it back, Let me have the control. And, and, and that's our first reading in our gospel, right? The gospel a lot of times thematically plays off of it. And I think today we have another figure that's very similar in that desire for control. And that's Peter. And now if you've come to Mass in the last couple of months here, you've heard a lot about Peter, right? We had Peter being called. We had Peter being called the rock. We had Peter sinking like a rock, walking on water, right? We had, we had all the things about Peter, and we've had all kinds of stories about Peter. Last week we had Peter, the star pupil, giving the right answer. Who, who do people say that I am? The Son of God is a man. That's who I am. Oh, wow, that's awesome, Peter. You, will be, you get a new name. You got a new role. You're going to be the head of the apostles. And everybody's like, really? That guy? He can't even catch fish? Like, all these kind of things, right? And today, that same star pupil... Right after giving the answer that God, that Jesus was waiting for, puts his foot directly in his mouth. Because Jesus today starts to get, starts to call his shot. Jesus starts to tell you exactly what he's going to do. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and the scribes and the Pharisees and all the elite, they're going to be mad. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to raise on the third day. And Peter didn't like that. Because Peter is a control freak. He's a patron saint for me. You're welcome, right? You can have another one. I got Peter, right? But Peter, it, he doesn't just, he doesn't just like, like let that kind of clash in his mind. He goes so far as to take Jesus, pull him aside, and rebuke him. He pulls Jesus aside and chews him out. He pulls Jesus aside and starts to tell him, there's no way this is going to happen. What are you talking about? There's no way this is going to happen. You're insane. The famous phrase that we hear in Scripture is, get behind me, Satan. And there's a, there's a, a, particular, um, there's a particular phrase in Greek that's, that's in there where he says Jesus, that Peter took Jesus aside, that he took him off to the side. The only other time that Matthew's Gospel shows that take him off, take him, to, take him away, like that Jesus is taken like that, the only time that that verb is, is, is in that space is actually at the temptation in the desert. When, G, when P, Jesus is in the desert and the devil takes him to the precipice of the temple to tempt him. It's not an accident that's happening. 
Because, because trying to control the will of God and making God's will conform to mine, that is something demonic. It's broken. It's backwards. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, when He says, do not tempt me, get behind me, Satan, He's calling it back to the temptation in the desert. Basically saying, it's not, the, the easy route is not the right route. Peter's going to have struggle, is going to struggle with this control mentality, this control freak mentality for most of his life. And there's going to be times that he's challenged and that Jesus is pushing him and saying, what, give, give up the control, please. And Peter's going, to, Peter's going to fall short. At the Passion, he's going to deny Jesus. We know that story. At the end of Jesus, like after the resurrection, Peter's going to see Jesus and he's going to be sitting with Jesus on this beach and, and Jesus is going to be talking to him and he's going to ask him, he's going to say, do you love me? And he asks that question three times and Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know I love you every time. And if we don't know the story, we don't know the, the translation, we might miss the meaning. Because what's happening in this post-resurrection account, what's happening at that point with Jesus and Peter is that Jesus looks at Peter and uses a phrase, do you love me, Philios, or do you love me as a friend? Philadelphia, city of brotherly love, right? Do you love me as a friend? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you as a friend. And then Jesus says, do you love me agape, or do you love me with sacrificial love, like love to the point of laying down your life for me? And he says, do you love me? And, and Peter's response is, yes, Lord, I love you as a friend. Not quite that much. But I love you as a friend. And then Jesus says, do you at least love me as a friend? And then Peter's distressed and he says, yes, I love you as a friend. Jesus is trying to call Peter to something greater. He's trying to call Peter to a sacrificial kind of love. He's trying to call Peter to a higher call. He's trying to say, Peter, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Like, finally, do this. And Peter can't quite get there. He can't let go of the steering wheel. He can't let Jesus drive. At the end of Peter's life is when it's finally going to click. The story goes is after, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension that the, the, the Christian people, right, the, the Christian faith started to spread in Rome and it became more and more and more popular and more and more and more influential. And the Roman authorities saw it as more and more of a threat. So what they did was is they constantly were trying to stamp out the early church. And Peter at one point, is, his life is on the line and he starts to run. Again, taking control. I'm going to self-preserve and I'm going to leave. And as he's on his way out of Rome, he had this vision of Christ walking towards him. And Jesus is walking towards him in his resurrected body, carrying a cross. And as Peter's walking out, leaving, it's just them two on the road, and he looks and sees Jesus, and he recognizes Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you going? I want to follow you. And Jesus says, I'm going back to Rome to be crucified again. Are you coming with me? And finally, Peter is able to deny himself. He finally takes on the role and says, no, 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 I'm going to deny myself. 
I'm going to pick up my own cross and I'm going to follow Jesus even if it means my life. Now, I, I don't lift this up just as like a, this isn't just like a biography of St. Peter, but what I think it is for us is that, hey, it, it, whether, it's, whether it's we give God control and then we want to take it back like Jeremiah, or we give God, or it just takes forever for us to finally let go of control and to give God the control that He wants and that He desires because it's for our good and for the good of the church, like Peter, God is just asking for us to loosen our grip on the wheel. We don't dictate the terms of our relationship with God. We might think we do, but we don't. We don't dictate the terms on what, what God is calling us to in the next phase of our life, whether it's, or this season of our life, or this semester, or this, this coming week. God's the one that has that plan. We don't need to force it. We don't need to control it. We do need to show up. And we need to be open. That's why St. Peter is not the, the, the prototypical or the, the, the exemplar of our faith. Peter's not the one that's the example for us all to follow. Peter is probably a little bit more of like the negative way of doing things, right? Like, try not to do what Peter did. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm still working on that. But anyway... The person that we lift up as the exemplar or the, the best example of what it means to be a Christian is Mary, not Peter. It's from the very beginning of Mary in the Bible. She, I'm sure she had hopes and dreams. 13-year-old girl living in Jerusalem, poor, in the middle of nowhere, good person, right? Never does anything wrong, not sin, no sin, you know, like that whole thing. Like, okay... I'm sure she had hopes and dreams. But when God shows up in the person of an angel and says, I want you to be the mother of God, the biggest task any human being has ever been asked of, her response is, I got this. Her response is, her response is not, I'm going to do it myself. But her response is, let it be done. Think about the difference in those two moments, in that. Let it be done to me, according to your word. Deny myself. All my hopes and dreams, I'll let go of. For your sake, Lord. Everything that I want to accomplish, I'll let go of, Lord. For your sake. Because I trust your plan. I trust your grace. I trust who you are. I think for us, the, the, the trust piece may be where we need to go. Because it, it, it's a whole lot easier to deny ourselves. It's a whole lot easier to put ourselves in the hands of the Lord if we know who He is and we trust Him. Because if I can't trust Him, I can maybe trust my own strength. If I, if, I don't, if I don't know him to be good and loving and wonderful, then, then I, 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 you know what? I can at least try to salvage something. God's not calling us to self-fulfill 
his prophecies. Not, God's not calling us to, to just fill ourselves with whatever, whatever we think we need or we think we want. God's asking us to put all that aside, to deny ourselves, and to go to Him. To receive from Him first. To, today, as we come to this Mass, if, if you feel like, hey, Father, like, you don't understand, like, I got a lot of things lifted up, and I, I'm just trying to kind of keep everything in balance, just start to loosen your grip on the wheel. Just pray for the grace to, to let go a little. So that it's not us trying to force or make something happen in our faith, but that it can be God's initiative. Our growth can all be on the Lord. Our fulfillment of our vocation, the way that God's calling us, wants to work in our hearts, that it can be all on Him. Not something we have to accomplish. Today, let, let, let us pray just to be able to let go of control even a little and be open to what it is that the Lord has for us.